Episode 142, Retired and Traveling by Train. This is Retirement Talk. I'm Del Lowry. My friend, Roy Ingham, shares a few of the many insights he has gained over the last decade or so of riding Amtrak on many extensive trips. In this podcast, he shares some of his thoughts concerning this method of travel. Riding on trains, hobos call it riding the rails, brings me great pleasure. In fact, I love it. I have always loved train rides, but it was not until I retired that I was able to take this form of transportation. When traveling long distances, the amount of time to travel was limited, so I would fly. For the past eight summers, I have taken the train from Florida to Seattle, Washington. Flying time between these two states is about five hours. By train, it takes about four days. For me, the four days goes by faster than the five hours. Why? Because I'm having such a good time on the train. This is not the case on a plane. Typically, I board the train with a bottle of wine, two or three books, and a writing pad. In the private confines of my sleeping car, I read, write, and mostly just gaze out the window at the passing, ever-varied scenery of which I never seem to tire. One exception to that are the long stretches in Montana where the wheat fields go on and on and on. The sleeping cars I take are designed for two people with upper and lower beds. Sleeping cars that can accommodate more people are also available. The cost when two people ride is about the same per person as flying. Since I travel alone, the cost is much higher than for flying. The meals and sleeper are part of the ticket price. All sleeping cars have the wash basins in them, but only those on the East Coast train have a toilet in the car. So on these trains, you will want to know each other pretty well. When I arrive at my destination, I feel like I have taken a long, long trip, a feeling I do not have when getting off an airplane. Meal times also provide me with enjoyable moments, but there are exceptions to that, too. When entering the dining car for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, the waiter seats you at a table for four. My table mates are, for the most part, articulate people who are willing to talk about where they are headed, what they plan to do while there, where they live, what they do, and other things about themselves. I avoid discussions on politics and religion. Occasionally, I sit with someone who is either overly talkative or remains completely silent. I prefer the latter to the former. As mentioned earlier, as the train speeds along, I look out on an ever-changing landscape. Quiet little southern towns, open countryside, farms with their barns, big cities where the people always seem to be hurrying, and perhaps my favorite, long stretches of tracks following a stream or river winding through the mountains that we cross. It is probably this changing landscape that gives me the feeling of having traveled a long way when I get to Seattle. My train from Florida stops in Washington, D.C., where I have about six hours before boarding a different train that will take me to Chicago, also an overnight trip like the one to D.C., 
There are many ways to spend the six hours that are enjoyable. On my last trip, I walked to the Capitol building and took a guided tour, my very first one. Our guide provided an impressive account of the architectural history of the Capitol, as well as some of the more significant events that have taken place within its walls, and a short history of several of the imposing statuary in the main room that have been donated by each of the several states. After the tour, I walked back to Union Station, a truly magnificent structure. The Great Hall has extremely high ceilings. Much of the interior work is done with marble, and many shops are to be found there at the lower level, where there is also a huge food mart. When I tire of walking, I go to the first-class passengers, that's where all passengers with sleeping car accommodations are welcome, and wait there until I read and relax before getting on the train for Chicago. The train leaves Washington, D.C. around 3 p.m. and arrives in Chicago the following morning about 16 hours later. Soon after leaving D.C., the train crosses the Appalachian Mountains where the forest, streams, and rivers make for very pleasurable viewing. I could also see a very old canal that was used by horse-drawn barges to transport goods over the mountains. The historic town of Harper's Ferry is one of the stops along this route. Passenger trains do make stops at many small towns and cities, which provides the people who live in those places or nearby to get on the train and go to wherever they're headed. These stops are just brief and long enough to let passengers get off and on. After the last passenger is aboard, the whistle blows, signaling the departure of the train. If one is not on the train at this point, it is necessary to wait until the next day. Once the train is in motion, it keeps going, even if a would-be passenger is seen running after it. I change trains in Chicago, where the train station is also called Union Station. While not as stunning as the one in D.C., this station is also has vaulted ceilings in its great hall, where there are no chairs, just very long benches resembling church pews. We leave Chicago about 4 p.m., and I arrive at my destination of Wenatchee, Washington, which is just a little way short of Seattle, at 5.30 a.m., two days later. Leaving Chicago, the train soon runs along the Mississippi River, which is in view for quite some time. The ride across most of North Dakota and Montana does not present a varied landscape. As noted earlier, the wheat fields go on for miles. Once the train begins its ascent into the Glacier National Park, the scenery takes on a totally different appearance. We enter dense forest, rushing streams, and once in a while see a deer or two. Once in a while, traveling through Colorado, I saw a bear, always an exciting experience. From Spokane, Washington, the train runs along the Columbia River, providing great views. When the train arrives in Wenatchee, I get off reluctantly. 
or feel quite at home on the train, as is the case in most small towns and cities. There is no station, just an overhead shelter. I dislike very much one aspect of traveling by train, and that is the activity of having to stop at uh, places where the train can get off on a sidetrack while the freight train comes roaring past. This provides, of course, uh, delays and often gets you to your destination a, a little late. There's great variability on just how late you uh, might be. Sometimes, I must add, the being late works to the advantage of the passenger. I once was on a train that missed the connection in Chicago when I was heading east. Amtrak put me up in a plush downtown hotel, and the next day I had time to visit the opening day of a grand new exhibit at the Art Institute, and it's, it's an experience that I never would have been able to encounter had the train been on time. So even being late is not all bad. One of the things that I would hope would happen to railroads in the United States is that they take on the importance of the railway system in Europe, which I understand is much smoother and more comfortable than the one in the United States. It is um, unfortunate that the railroads have been allowed to decline as they have. And as I noted earlier, we have to get off at sightings to let the freight train goes by. It escapes me why it's more important for freight trains to arrive on time than it is for humans to do so. And I want to uh, have one final note on my romance with the trains. When I end my four-day trip, I feel much more in equilibrium with the world more in balance. Being on a train for this amount of time helps me to catch my breath in this busy, busy world. It is my hope in the near future the U.S. will see that the savings in energy, decrease in greenhouse gases that lead to global warming, and making travel for people living in out-of-the-way places more convenient, all add up to making a major commitment to improving railroad travel. In addition, I believe people would enjoy their trips much more than when flying. My guest has been Roy Ingham. This is Retirement Talk.